0: Welcome to uh, Bible Quest, the Wednesday edition. I am Joe Works in Elmira, New York. Joining me is Jeff Smelser in Exxon and uh, Chase Byers in uh, Harrisburg, Pennsylvania's, uh, each of those uh, cities in Pennsylvania. How are you gentlemen doing?
1: Good, great. How are you doing today, Joe?
0: Great, thank you.
2: We, we... Go ahead, Chase. Oh, I was just going to say I'm well, and it's, it's just a pleasure to be here today.
1: You know, we, we, we always start this show. We kind of say, how are you, that kind of thing. And, of course, reality is we've been talking a few minutes with each other before we actually present ourselves to, to the audience out there. Um, but the fact is, today,
2: we hadn't had a chance to, I hadn't had a chance to find out how you are, Joe. I was going to so- say, we, we normally don't even ask how each other are doing. And yeah, when we come on, we just come on and normally either dive right into a story or start talking about something we've been doing. It's it's very yeah funny. like
1: breaking into somebody's house and it's not even the house you thought you were breaking
2: into. We'll let the audience try and decide which of us did that. <laughs> yeah. Okay. All right, Joe. Why don't you take us to our topic?
0: <laughs> well, uh, now that we've gotten those uh, sort of uh, for appearance' sake uh, things out of the way, you know. Um, We're going to continue our study this afternoon of the story of uh, Joseph in uh, the book of Genesis. Um, uh, Just kind of summing up the the first several chapters that we looked at last week. I think a a great verse to sum that that section up is Genesis 39 and verse 6 that says that Joseph was handsome. Um, uh, And so, well, we'll just leave it at that. Um, And... uh, uh, His uh, being handsome did uh, get him in some trouble. Uh, One of the things we talked about was being in Potiphar's house and uh, being tried to, uh, Potiphar's wife tried to seduce him. He rejected that because of the Lord. That was the basis, that was the foundation for his uh, refusal to engage with her. And uh, she punished him, uh, brought up accusations against him. And uh, uh, Potiphar then had him thrown into prison. And uh, we we moved on there to the story of the butler and the baker. But go ahead, Chase, jump in.
2: One thing that I meant to mention last week in that story, uh, there's a really cool three words in Genesis 39 that I think sum up all of Joseph's life really well. And it's in verse eight, where it says, but he refused
0: hmm. and
2: said to his master's wife, behold, with me here, my master does not concern himself with anything in the house. And uh, he makes the case that he is obviously not going to sleep with her. But uh, it was pointed out to me by Greg Gravitt that that really just sums up all of Joseph's life really well. He refuses to give into sin whenever it presents him, uh, presents him with the opportunity. He refuses to throw a pity party for himself when things don't go his way. And he refuses to take vengeance out on his brothers uh, when he very well could have done so. Uh, as we're going to talk about today. And so I just think that's a, that's another really good summary sentence for Joseph's life.
0: That is good. And we don't have the exact same phrase, I don't think, for Daniel, um, uh, but very similar situations as far as uh, young men who determined to serve the Lord, even at great cost uh, to them. Very yeah. good. So we... Uh, We're closing off our study last week, looking at Joseph in prison because of these false accusations. Pharaoh's butler and baker had been uh, imprisoned as well. Um, Joseph interprets their dreams. Uh, The baker is executed, but the butler uh, is restored back to his position, forgets about Joseph for a period of time, and then Pharaoh has some dreams that spark the butler's remembrance that there is this fellow that he met back in prison who can interpret dreams. Um, uh, so we want to just pick up here in chapter 41 then, um, uh, and uh, we have Pharaoh having these dreams that were very upsetting to him. Um, you know, we all dream. Uh, I mean, I think uh, scientists say that we dream every night. We don't always remember our dreams, um, uh, but. When we talk about biblical dreams uh, in many of these instances, it seems as if it is rather apparent that God is providing some sort of information or whatever. And so this dream was either so vivid or there's something about it. Uh, the text doesn't tell us too much there, um, uh, but when he woke up, he believed that there was a message behind this and he sought to to find out what it was. Um, and so the butler tells him that he had dreams that were interpreted and uh, Pharaoh calls for Joseph in verse 14 of chapter 41. And he says, I've heard that you can understand a dream and interpret it, verse 15. And Joseph quickly answers, as we've noted uh, last week, the consistency in Joseph is not to take credit, not to boost his own uh, uh, person, but to say God will give Pharaoh an answer of peace, verse 16 and uh, so Pharaoh then began to explain what he dreamed, and Joseph then responds in verse 25, again, God has shown Pharaoh what he is about to do. In um, verse 32, the dream was repeated to Pharaoh twice because the thing is established by God, and God will bring it to pass. Um, it is really impressive how Joseph several times could have taken some credit here, um, uh, but that's not where his interest lies. I uh, really appreciate that about him. Our, our gifts, our talents come from God, and uh, we should never seek to uh, think that we are great because of whatever God allows us to do uh, in our service to him or to others. You know, there's, about a, any of
1: that? there's a, there's a, we've talked a little bit about the fact that Joseph foreshadows Jesus, and, and of course here Joseph is being exalted now after he interprets the dream, and Pharaoh is going to say, well, who better to appoint over the job of preparing Egypt for this coming famine that these dreams anticipate than the man who's able to interpret the dreams. And so he's exalted to the second most powerful position in Egypt. And, and of course, there's a foreshadowing of Jesus there that we talked about last week. But there's also a practical observation. You were talking about how Joseph doesn't, uh, he, he's not self-exalting. Um, he's not seeking glory in all of this, but he does the job God gave him to do. And, you know, there, there's a practical lesson there. And, and then he ends up being given great responsibility. And the practical lesson is if just in life, if I go about just doing what I'm supposed to do and not looking to take credit, not looking for glory, the fact is, people are going to give me responsibility. The fact is, the person who acquits him well of his responsibilities and is not self exalting, he's the kind of person who's going to end up being put in great positions, so to speak.
0: Right. Yeah. Excellent point. Very good. Right. Uh, great, great uh, application for, for us.
1: And, and not not to say, not to suggest at all that God isn't behind this. God is behind this. God is is using this to, to foreshadow the Christ and to save much people alive, as we'll see at the end of the story. But there's a truism here.
0: So, so Joseph then, in his not just in his interpretation, but also in a in a, uh, in a lesson, uh, proposes to Pharaoh that he store up food for the, the coming famine. Um, that's what the dreams were foretelling years of plenty and then years of famine. And uh, that advice, verse 37, was good in the eyes of Pharaoh and of, of all of his servants. And uh, so, uh, Pharaoh then. Begins to to utter some things. I'm impressed with 38 and 39. Pharaoh said to his servants, "Can we find such a one as this, a man in whom is the spirit of God?" Verse 39. Pharaoh said to Joseph, "Inasmuch as God has shown you all of this, there is no one as discerning and wise as you." Um, uh, so appreciate uh, uh, Pharaoh even recognizes. Okay, so so God's with Joseph. And uh, we, we need him on our side. We need to, to, to listen to, to his advice here. Um, and like you said, he's then put over all of the house in verse 40. Um, nothing is uh, out of Joseph's control. Um, uh, he takes the signet ring off of his hand. Pharaoh does in verse 42. Clothes him with fine linen garments, gold chain. Um, gets the second chariot. Uh, Everything about him places him, uh, I think as you said already, second in command, Um, and and really he's in charge of the kingdom um, uh, at this point. So verse 46 may be a helpful marker for us. Joseph was 30 at this point, and so we began our study uh, back in Genesis 37 with Joseph being about 17 years old. So 13 years have passed from the time that we know that he was in prison for a period of time because two years had passed that he'd been forgotten about.
1: Right. Um,
0: so from the time that he had the dreams, hated by his brothers, eventually thrown into the pit, sold as a slave, uh, transferred to Egypt in Potiphar's house for a while, and then in prison for a while, that's taken just over a, a decade. And then we might just think about, uh, about 13 years there. Uh, but still, 30 years old. Uh, that's pretty young um, to, to think about being given the power of the, the whole kingdom. Um, uh, going from, from slave, from servant to, to this position, pretty remarkable. That would, that would surely go to a lot of people's heads. Um, and, and, and you would find them maybe even doing things at this point for, you know, okay, now it's time for my reward or whatever. But Joseph is very careful to uh do things that are going to be good for the kingdom good for people so that they will have the food when they need it and in the time of the famine uh, you seem quite mindful of, of everything that needs to be done. Any thoughts here through 41. So Joseph, in the process of this, gets married, has a couple of children, Uh, maybe just thinking about it for the the sake of of future chapters, particularly when we get to the the tribes. Uh, You have Manasseh and Ephraim in verses 51 and 52, Um, uh, and uh, he names his his children uh, in accordance with the way things have, have worked out for God made me forget all my toil and all my father's house, and then for Manasseh and for Ephraim, for God has caused me to be fruitful in the land of my affliction. Um, Again, finding the the good things, the the blessings that God has given him in the midst of these difficulties. Really appreciate how careful Joseph is to, to not dwell on the negative things.
1: So the, the note in my Bible indicates that the meaning of Manasseh, the name, is making to forget, and uh, so he connects that with having forgotten my trouble, and the meaning of Ephraim is fruitful, um, as, and you alluded to those ideas, yeah.
0: Very good, yeah, um, and, and, and he's, he's seeing those then as, as uh, making forgetful and being fruitful, even in the midst of, of suffering, in the midst of losing his father's house, in the midst of the affliction, being imprisoned, being a slave and being imprisoned. Uh, but he, he views his life as being fruitful at this point. Um, go ahead, Jeff.
1: How many times have you had this experience? Somebody moves in to work with the congregation where you are, um, from out of state, from wherever, and they have trouble. Adjusting, They have trouble acclimating. They have trouble fitting in because they're constantly talking about, well, back home or where I came from, it was so much better. How we did things that back there we had, they cannot start with, here's where I am now. Let me be fruitful here. Instead, they're relying. And so Joseph, he's been sold into slavery. He could have spent a lot of time just saying, well, back home in Canaan, you know, I didn't want to be here in the first place. And back in Canaan is so much better. But making to
2: forget, just be (laughs) fruitful here. And even in his situation, I mean, you you would almost give Joseph a pass if he did act that way. And you would give him a pass if he was bitter and upset for the way that he had been treated. I think a lot of us would look at that and say, yeah, that's, that's rough. You have every right to complain. And yet he doesn't take that route. Uh, he he finds a way to be happy where he is to be content because he has the Lord by his side. Mm-hmm. And that's been the consistency as Joe pointed out throughout his whole life.
0: And well, I see a
2: little- I, yeah, go ahead. Go, sorry. Go. No, go ahead. Go ahead I, I was just going to say, I mean, Jeff was, as he was saying that, I, I know that that's something I'm tempted to do. I appreciated him bringing that up just living in the Northeast and being from the South, um, there are certain things I miss and I've got to watch my own attitude. Um, and just know that I should be thankful for where I'm at, should be grateful for the people around me and be grateful that the Lord is providing, um, no matter where I am. So I just wanted to thank Jeff for, for saying that.
0: Yeah. Well, get, getting out of university of Kentucky, uh, area, you know, basketball, that, that that's just a huge blessing right there. So, um, uh, but, uh, uh you know, think about maybe a good contrast with uh, Naomi, you know, she struggled to see herself as being blessed and pleasant, uh, as her name suggests, and, you know, no longer call me Naomi, call me Mara, uh, because she viewed her, her time as bitter, when that yet God had, had just great mm-hmm. things in store for for her and for Ruth, um, and again, I think, you know, I'm tempted to give her a pass, I think, well, i probably wouldn't do much better in that situation. Um, I ought to, but, I, but realistically, that would be a struggle. Losing family members, coming back kind of empty-handed, um, uh, it, it would be a, a struggle. Maybe connected with this, uh, I've been thinking about this on uh, working up a lesson, not because I think the brethren here have a particular problem with it, but maybe just sort of as an admonition to not, start, not to start thinking this way. When the Bible says do all things without grumbling and complaining, uh let's just make a quick list of what's ex- what what the exceptions are to do all things without grumbling and complaining. Well, the Israelites were an exception. <laughs> no, I mean, but what what things what things aren't included in that? What what things is it okay for us to grumble and complain about?
2: Oh, you mean like our social list of things that we think it's Magically okay to complain about. Exactly. Because, you know, I see po- what you're politics,
0: saying. Uh, politics, uh, family relations, job situations, you know, over and over, we, It's just sort of like things bother us and we just sort of throw that verse out the window of, of complaining. And again, I think that Joseph is a good example for us here. Um, uh, you know, he could have very easily done all of that and we're going to see his attitude when we get to the last couple of chapters where he just keeps emphasizing God meant this for good. Um, and, uh, just, I think that's a, that's a challenge for us to, uh, to try to live up to as well. Yeah.
2: Well, thanks, Joe. You just gave me my sermon for Sunday. That was helpful. Okay.
0: Well, good. Well, <laughs> I hope the brethren don't complain about it. Um, <laughs> so chapter 42, we kind of like, uh, you know, in the, in the movies, you have this, you know, while this is happening over here, meanwhile, back in uh, the, the the Promised Land, you have uh, Jacob and his sons who are starting to go hungry. They need grain. They hear about what's going on in Egypt, and Jacob then decides to uh, send his sons down um, uh, to to buy grain from uh, from this uh, new Provider in, uh, in Egypt, but he doesn't want to send Benjamin, um, his youngest son, uh, lest some calamity befall him in verse four. Um, that might be a little telling about how Jacob felt about the other sons. Um, uh, he's going to send the 10, but he's not going to send Benjamin because he doesn't want any problems that, to happen to him. Um, doesn't seem as concerned about the other ones. Uh, we've already noted favoritism is kind of a family trait uh going back uh, a generation or two so joseph is identified as the governor of the land in verse six joseph's brothers come and notice the end of verse six what do they do they They bow bow down down before him uh direct fulfillment of the joseph's dream back in chapter 37 verses seven and eight uh you know joseph talked about the dream the sheaves bowing down his brothers were indignant about that they said shall you reign over us or have dominion over us and they hated him even more for his dreams and here they are unknowingly fulfilling that that very thing um joseph immediately recognized them that makes sense they think that joseph is dead he's long gone and so they don't even connect. And maybe there's been some, you know, he's got, maybe he's got some Egyptian clothes. We talked about the linen garments that Pharaoh had given him. So they're not thinking about Joseph. They don't recognize him. And uh, they've, they've come to, to purchase food and Joseph wants to test them. And so he says, no, you guys are spies. You've come to, to see the land. And they emphasize, no, we're not. Verse 11 is really we are all one man's son. We are honest men. <laughs> we are honest men. Uh, <laughs> perhaps I, at this point, that's okay. Um, uh, again, I don't want to be too picky. But they're but, uh,
1: speaking to the very individual who suffered for their dishonesty.
2: <laughs>
0: That—that's the irony, isn't it? Um, but you know, if they had said this to practically anybody else, they okay, I, I trust you then, or whatever. But uh, yeah, Joseph has some. Uh, some evidence to the contrary. No. Um, and, so,
2: have you guys ever wondered why? And I'm jumping ahead, Joe. You were about to point out that he he continues to push them on this. No, you right. you came here to spy out the land and uh, they say, your servants are 12 brothers in all, which is again, funny that they say that. Uh, Joseph is one of the 12, obviously. Yeah. The sons of one man in the land of Canaan and behold, the youngest is with their father and one is no longer alive. So they don't even think that Joseph is, is living which wouldn't
1: I, go ahead. I'm I'll, I'll, I'll
2: well, I'm I was just man. making the point. I think it's really interesting that Joseph keeps pushing this and trying yeah. to get them to admit that they're they're spies in the land. I don't think Joseph actually believes they're spies. No, no. But this is what I think is the start of him trying to figure out what kind of men they are. So starting by just pushing them a little bit and just seeing how they react whenever they're accused of something, and, uh, I, I think that's what's going on here. I don't think he actually thinks they're spies, but it begins what will become a series of tests that he put, puts them through. So
1: I think you're right. I don't think he thinks they're spies, but I wonder if in the very beginning, a large part of his motion, uh, motivation is he would like to maneuver things so that he gets to see Benjamin. Yes. Um, and, and, and then of course, as time goes on, he really is giving them an opportunity to demonstrate what kind of, of character they are now. Um, let's see, we've got a comment coming in from-
0: Yeah, yeah. Patrick's makes the observation that in verse 11, them being honest men is contrary to them being spies. And I, I think that's exactly right. Uh, it's just that the irony is saying, I'm an honest man in front of the man that I had sold as a slave who happens to be my brother, uh, seems uh, a bit ironic or uh, satirical there. But yeah, I think you're right. Um, this isn't a commentary on their whole life. It's a response to their of the accusation. Mm-hmm. I, and, and I think what you guys are, are talking about is, is brought out in the following text, right? Uh, Joseph is setting them up to see, will there be a repeat performance? Mm-hmm. I'm going to take one of the brothers and confine him in prison, and you guys are going to have to prove that you are honest men. You go back, and you get your younger brother, and you bring him. Um, So are they willing to sacrifice another brother for their own selfish purposes? Interestingly,
1: he first of all says he's going to keep 10 of them and send one back. Right. And then, then he says, No, I'll tell you what, I'll just keep one of you and the rest of you can go back. But are you going to come back and rescue your brother and bring me this one you say is still at home and prove who you are or not?
0: Yep. Yep. And so, um, you know, I, I'm not going to ask if you guys can relate to this, but you've done something wrong in the past and uh, you tend to look over your shoulder for a while. Uh, I can remember before I was a Christian, I drove extremely erratically and, and dangerously and, and broke a lot of laws, not ashamed of those things. But as a result, even when I was driving normally and a police car would pass me in the opposite direction, I was fixated on that rear view mirror to see if maybe they had my plates or if they were going to do something or, or whatever, uh, I lived with that sort of bad conscience about the things that I had done the night before or the week before or whatever. Look at what they say at, when Joseph is bringing all this up, um, the, the language that they make in verse 21. Um, then they said to one another, we are truly guilty concerning our brother, for we saw the anguish of his soul when he pleaded with us. We would not hear. Therefore, this distress has come upon us. Now, years have passed. We don't know exactly how long we we talk about that 13 years span perhaps not all of that I don't know how much took place in verse 37 or chapter 37 but several years have transpired. Well 13 anyway.
1: years plus now the 7 years of Oh yeah of that's right. plenty so that's yes. 20 years and did doesn't it say somewhere there in the second year of of yes. famine when they come Yes
0: that's right. Yeah that's right. Yeah thank so, you. Yeah so we're, we're up to, more to
1: it. We're up to about um Seven. Uh, uh, hang on, hang on. I lost my lost my thought here. Thirteen plus seven is twenty plus another couple, so twenty-two years or so passed. Well, well, here, duh. Uh, Joseph was thirty, and well, that's how we got to thirteen. Never mind. I'll shut up.
0: <laughs> well, your your math skills are impressive. Yeah, Our we, we are. Math skills we're, are are horrible. We're, we're, we're at about 20, 22 years. That's a good observation. Yeah, even more years have passed now um uh, joseph has been in charge uh, of, of egypt now for nine years then and uh but they are still remembering back to this event that has perhaps taken place two decades ago um uh, and uh, they're saying this is because of what we did um so their consciences are are very bothered uh, reuben uh, rebukes <laughs> them all in verse 22 did i not speak you saying do not sin against the boy you would not listen. Therefore, behold, his blood is now required of us. No, and,
2: and I, I would I would so quickly turn that around on Reuben if I were well, the sure. brothers. Yeah, because he was he was a coward. He did not stand up in the way he should have to stop them from doing it. I don't know. I think you're kind of hard on Reuben. <laughs> <laughs> Why do you say that? So,
1: so maybe, maybe it's just the older brother in me. It's hard to get your younger brothers to fall in line sometimes. <laughs>
2: well, I, I am I am the younger brother in my family, so
1: <laughs> this so this is a natural difference in point of
0: view.
2: Yeah,
0: and so you you do have this contrast mentioned back in chapter thirty seven. Reuben was the one who was really upset because he was gone when the other brothers had sold him off. Um, and so um. Reuben was hoping to be able to rescue him back in verses 21 and 22. And he missed his chance because he had stepped away from the scene for a while and uh, lost his brother. But, but still, the, the very idea of throwing him into the pit, Reuben should have been the, the leader of that group and said, we're not going to do that. Um, so he's not without the fault in, in this as well. But isn't that sort of our tendency is to remember the parts of a story perhaps where We were the hero, or we were the innocent one. And we kind of downplay that area where we were accomplices in in the things that we shouldn't have done. Mm -hmm. So, this whole time, Joseph is listening to what's taking place. Again, just imagining this scene. Here they are, you know, talking about what they had done years ago, and Reuben scolding them. And Joseph's just listening to every word that they're saying. uh, Verse 23. Um, but it, it breaks his heart he leaves the room and uh, and weeps um, and so they take Simeon then and uh, bind him um, and Joseph sends everybody else on their way um, the verse uh, chapter the rest of chapter 42 you have a, as they travel down the road they open their sacks and what do they find when they do that
2: they have a bunch of gifts um, and grain money that they were supposed to have paid
0: yeah right right and so now they're really fearful because they've been accused of being spies now it looks like they could be accused of being thieves taking the grain and the money uh boy we're really in trouble here um uh, and uh they get back home and tell the story to uh to dad and Jacob is just really upset verse 36 um, uh, my children are, uh, you've bereaved me of my children. Joseph is no more. Simeon is no more. And you want to take Benjamin with you the next time? Uh, I don't think so. Um, uh, and, uh, Reuben steps up. You can have my sons if, if something happens. Yeah, and
2: um, you can kill them.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Again,
2: I'm sorry, Jeff. I'm sorry. I'm so hard on Reuben. <laughs> uh, but it's like, what does that help anybody? What, what does that help for him to come in and say, well, if we die, then you can just kill my sons too. And it's like, well, great. Then I'll have two dead sons and then I'll have two dead grandsons. It just doesn't make any sense. And I, I think Reuben is just this irrational leader and Judah, as we're about to see, is going to step into the, into the spotlight and be this redeemer of sorts of, of Joseph and of the other brothers as well. And I mean, not to mention as well, Reuben had slept with his father's concubine back in chapter thirty-five and verse twenty-two, and so Reuben is just a loser in my book. But anyways, sorry, this is some pent up antagonism toward memories of an older
1: brother or something. All <laughs> well,
2: well, the brothers listening, and he knows I love him.
1: No, I wanted to observe this. This is, I think, at least the second time that it has been said that Joseph is dead. Uh, you, know, the, you pointed out, Joe, when the brothers are standing before Joseph, they said one is at home and one is no more. Yeah. And I think some translation said one is no longer living or something. And, and now, now when they come to Jacob and they tell him about their trip to Egypt and how on the way home they realize they've got the money and, and, and they've got it. And Jacob now says um, in verse 36, Joseph is no more. And Simeon is no more. Well, I guess have to be careful here because he doesn't believe Simeon is dead. Uh, so, but but he's J- Jacob has already already said. You know, when they brought him the, the coat back, but well, all the way back in chapter thirty-seven, uh, when they brought him the coat, Jacob believes Joseph is dead. What were you going to point out?
0: Verse thirty-eight, he he says his brother is dead. Uh, yeah, Benjamin, Benjamin's brother Joseph. Benjamin there you go. There
1: you wow. go, there you go. So so and the, the reason I point this out because eventually they're going to uh, have they're going to come before Joseph for the second time, whom they believe to be dead. and we're going to see this parallel where Joseph, whom they believe was dead, appeared to 10 of them already and then he's going to appear to 11 of them later on. And of course that's part of this parallel with Jesus, where Jesus, who was dead appears to 10 apostles, Thomas was absent, Judas had killed himself. And then a week later, he appears to 11. And and that's one of these parallels that we see. Yeah,
0: that's really helpful. I I think you were the first person that had had pointed that out to me. And uh, uh, I think that's really significant and seeing that foreshadowing of uh, uh, Joseph and Jesus helpful. So the famine continues just as uh, God had uh, Uh, shown in Pharaoh's dreams, and uh, it becomes worse. They've got enough grain for a while, but eventually that's gonna run out. And uh, chapter 43 then opens with that they need to go back to Egypt. And uh, Judah says, we're not going back unless we take Benjamin with us. Um, And uh, Jacob is, is quite concerned. Verse six, why do you deal so wrongfully with me as to tell the man whether you still had another brother?
1: um <laughs> uh, why did you even bring it up <laughs> yeah yeah exactly
0: um again you just see this sort of fault finding uh, with each other and uh just uh, a lot of dysfunction uh going on in this family um which I just pause here and uh, it certainly is not conclusive proof but if you were creating fabricating a story about a god of your people would you make the main characters have so many flaws, Um, uh, you know, recognizing Abraham and Isaac and Jacob, and uh, we already talked about Reuben and and others, and you just see over and over that the, you know, we talk about, you know, showing their warts. Um, uh, They have certainly done that in uh, these passages. Um, uh, To me, that's just circumstantial evidence, perhaps, but the hero of the story is always God, and uh, men writing this would have made these guys the heroes. So,
1: people, a culture, a society that is proud of itself and its history, <clears throat> as they as they tell of their own history and their origins, they usually it, they usually uh, paint a, a very rosy picture. Uh, of their of their origins their founders their founding fathers that kind of thing at least it seems to be that's human nature now we live in a culture where to a large extent a lot of the culture in which we live are not really necessarily proud of being Americans but there was a day when when people were and so we had a very rosy picture of the founding fathers and now today it's different It's, it's Popular to to denigrate them and talk about all their flaws. But the Jews were very much proud of being Jews in their history. The Jews said to Jesus, We are children of Abraham. We've never been enslaved to anyone. And so if they had simply created this story of their origins, you can imagine Abraham would have been painted much more heroically, his flaws would not have been highlighted, Jacob's flaws would not have been highlighted, Uh, and and the brothers, the the patriarchs, the flaws of the patriarchs, you know, they talk about the patriarchs, The patriarchs' flaws would not have been highlighted as they are here, and I do think it is A piece of what helps us to look at this and say this doesn't look like what you normally see men creating as their own
2: backstory legendary it's it's pretty unlegendary in a lot of ways it's it's giving raw details really is
0: and and so eventually they're going to have to go back and uh, the brothers insist we're not going without benjamin jacob reluctantly agrees to uh, to send benjamin uh they take benjamin they take double the amount of money because they're concerned because last time they got their grain for free uh they also take some some gifts the best fruits of the land and so forth as as a present for for this man uh, verse 11 um and so they're, they're they're trying to just provide for every uh way of, of showing that they are, uh, are humble and, uh, and, and um, not dishonest. They're not spies. Joseph sees Benjamin as they come down to Egypt and uh, orders that those men be taken into his house and uh, a banquet be prepared for them. Um, they do that. Of course, the brothers are just like, wait a second, he's setting us up with something. Uh, they're afraid because they've been brought into the house. They're like, wait, wait, wait we need to talk to you about this money. Well, we get Joseph said, don't worry about the money. I, I have the money that for, for that grain. Um, uh, don't don't worry about that at all. They're brought in. They uh, are set down to to eat. Joseph has them seated in order, um, uh, which is uh, very. Uh, odd. The brothers trying to figure out how they would have known all of that. Um, and uh, uh, let's see, where do we go here? Verse um, uh, 27, he asked them about Jacob. Uh, he says, tell me about your father, the old man of whom he spoke, is he still alive? Joseph is still wanting to know more about the family, how things are going. Um, and uh, so Joseph is torn through all of this. He's trying to understand uh what his brothers are like now and he's seeing more and more of what perhaps their changed hearts he's weeping even more in verse 30 um and uh so he takes the servings benjamin gets five times as much which seems kind of odd in verse 34 um but they're they're all given uh, a great deal of food and uh in this feast um Benjamin getting more seems a little uh, like, like maybe another setup, doesn't it? Um, Benjamin is getting favoritism. How are the brothers going to respond to that? Um, that that's the way the mm. story began with Joseph, right? Mm-hmm. Mm. So chapter 44, um, he has the sacks filled, um, uh, put the money uh, in the sack as well. And then he says, also take my cup and put it in the sack of the youngest one, the one Benjamin. So Benjamin has received favoritism. Now he's going to set Benjamin up to look like the, the thief, look like the bad guy. The brothers leave to head back to uh, the, the promised land, and uh, Joseph sends his men to chase after them and uh, accuse them of uh, wrongdoing. Now, verse 5, we want to touch on um, that when the servants come and catch up with the brothers, they say, is this not one from whom my Lord drinks, with which he practices divination? You've done evil in so doing. And so there's a question that arises at this point is, is Joseph practicing idolatry and, and pagan worship of the Egyptians, or is there another possible explanation here? Just um, Again, want to remind us, we talked about it last week. We already noted several verses this week. Joseph is pretty consistent in giving glory to God over and over. Um, and uh, so is, has he mixed Jehovah worship with the idolatry, or what would you guys make of this verse?
2: I, I personally think he is just trying to keep up the act, if you will, that he has been putting on at this point. I mean, he's, he's all dolled up. I mean, he's probably got all the classic Egyptian wear and makeup on. And so, it's going along with it would be a cup of divination, but I don't think it's consistent with Joseph's character to suggest that he had been using this in some type of idolatrous way. So, so I, would, I see three
1: possibilities, I guess, and, and one possibility is okay. You know, I mentioned last week the idea that. You really don't see anything that Joseph does wrong in the story. Not that he never did anything wrong, but maybe that's a mistake. Maybe maybe he had incorporated some idolatry into his life. I don't think that's right, but it's a possibility. Another
0: possibility that I also don't...
1: Think it is with he used it is the thumb. Thumb. This is before the law of Moses. Is it possible God used this cup to speak to Joseph somehow? Uh, I'm sure that the Mormons would love to get a hold of a Joseph who looked into a silver cup and. Got messages from God and find that in the Bible as precedent. So, but nonetheless, I don't, I don't necessarily think that's right either. But then the, there's another possibility, and then the other possibility is Joseph doesn't call it his cup of divination. Joseph doesn't say, at least unless I've missed it, he's not the one who says he uses it for divination. It's his steward or his servant that he sends after the brothers And isn't that the one who says in verse 5, is this not the one from which my Lord drinks, which he indeed uses for divination? Verse 15. Ah, yeah, you're right. There it is. Joseph said it. Okay, so uh, throw that possibility out. (laughs) The third possibility that I was trying to suggest is that that was just something that the servant added to the story but no that that's not possible because joseph says
0: it okay we we might want to remember that joseph was married to the daughter of one of the egyptian priests back in chapter 41 uh, and verse 45 don't think there's anything wrong with that Um, uh, but even after he had been married to her and they have the two sons um, I, I don't see a Yahweh being referenced here. That's not going to come up till, till the book of Exodus, right? Um, but he does talk about God um, giving him this uh, uh, forgetfulness and, and fruitfulness that we already talked about in those names. Um, so it, it seems to me that he's been consistently giving credit to his God. Um, uh, not to their gods or to their idols and so forth. So my supposition here, my conclusion, that I can't argue too long about, would be that this is just part of the story. You know, um, uh, we already know that he's made up these things. Benjamin didn't steal the cup, but Joseph is saying that he did. And and so there's things he's telling that aren't true as a test to uh, the situation here. So, uh, it does seem like it's quite within the possibility of the realm that, um, that this is just part of the, the, the fabricated story to test the brothers there. And somebody can argue whether or not that's okay or not to, to lie about these things and these accusations. Um, uh, that seems, uh, a, a bit questionable, um, uh, for him, uh, to do that. Um, yeah. but, uh. Whatever the case, uh, I think it ought to be a minor question in the story of Joseph, uh, because we do have a couple of different possibilities for how that mm-hmm. all plays out. So the the brothers insist on their innocence, and uh, uh, Benjamin is uh, is going to uh, be imprisoned. Then, um, according to to what's taking place, Judah steps in for him in verse eighteen, um, and. Uh, uh, offers himself in, instead. Um, so uh, I think Joseph is seeing a, a change of heart in, uh, in these men. Um, Joseph, uh, Judah's expressed concern is on how this is going to affect their father. Um, which, again, which is, is b- a,
1: very different than the brothers concern when they sold Joseph so many years earlier.
0: Exactly. Right. Right. And so again, they, these are not the same men. And, and maybe there's another good application for us in how we deal with brethren. Um, we need to allow men to mature and not hold things against them, particularly things that were done years ago. Um, but, but we need to have a much more forgiving and forgetful uh, memory uh, in regard to uh, the things that people have done, particularly if they've wronged us um uh, we we need to be quite ready to to just put that in the past and uh and not hold grudges no so um that's uh chapter 44 and we're out of time um uh, probably took too long in getting through some of that but uh it's it's a fascinating story uh do we want to try to uh, finish up the, the last uh six chapters uh uh, next week, Lord willing, surely. Yeah, I would like that. I
2: think it'd be cool too if we spend a little bit of time in Israel's prophecy of his sons in chapter forty-nine. I think
0: that'd be cool. Sure, sure, that'll be good. Uh, try to try to time the study a little bit better, uh, and uh, don't want to drag this on too long. But enjoyed uh, being part of the study with you all. Beneficial for me to uh, to walk through these uh, these chapters. Uh, and thank I was you was reminded for...
1: that Joseph did indeed say it was his cup of divination.
0: <laughs> yeah. Yeah, helpful to uh, to have uh, a group study like this. This is beneficial for me, and hope that others who are listening are benefited from it as well. And uh, if you have more comments or questions, or if you have other suggestions for other individuals to study beyond uh, Joseph uh, after our Joseph study, please uh, put that in the comments section. Then, but uh, for today, thank you all for joining.